Good morning. <laughs> I feel like we start over. I want to place ourselves in Scripture, and we're going to be reading out the book of Philippi. And so, give you a little bit of the backstory of Philippi. Philippi as a town is about, at the time this letter is written, is about half the size of Marysville. So I guess if you would like eliminate Mill Valley, <laughs> it would be Marysville. And so it's about half the size of Marysville, you know, five, 6,000 uh, people. It's, it's a city that is historically significant, Philippi. It's named after King Philip, who is the father of, anybody know any historians out there? Alexander the Great's father. And so Alexander the Great's father had conquered this city, and, and so it was named after him. It, it, it was named after Philippi. It's, it's like Marysville is named after Mary Gingrey, right? <laughs> Mary, Maryville. How, how many evangelists have you had or speakers have you had come in here and call this place Maryville, right? You know? So it's, it's, it's like it's named after King Philip, and it's, it's, it's got these deep Greek Hellenistic roots, uh, it, it's known for its, its Greek leanings, and, and it becomes a military stronghold because it's near some natural resources, some gold mines are nearby. So Philippi is a significant, although it's small, uh, by our standards, although it's a small uh, town, it has historical significance. Uh, eventually, it becomes significant in Roman history. Um, Antony and Octavius uh, defeat Brutus and Cassius, at Philippi. Anybody know who Brutus is? Brutus is the, he assassinated Julius Caesar, and so Caesar says what? At two, Brutus? <laughs> and so it's, it's this highly significant little town to both the Greeks and the Romans. And it becomes this military stronghold, and it becomes this place where military men would go and their families would go and retire. It's significant in biblical history. It's, it's a place that Paul visited. It's, it's a pretty significant story in the book of Acts. When, when Paul's visiting, it is the place of the first European converts whose, whose name was? No? Dr. Purdue knows it. Oh, no. I know something Dr. Purdue doesn't know. I tell you what, there might be like lightning bolts from heaven. There's not often that happens. Lydia. Lydia is the first uh, convert in, in Europe. Am I right or am I wrong? Maybe I'm wrong. He's not going to say anything. He's just going to... Wise man. Anyhow, it's where Lydia lived. Um, you know, Lydia was, was the first convert there. And it's also this place... While Paul's preaching, this demon-possessed girl is following Paul, and she can tell fortunes, and, and she's saying these things about Paul and, and eventually cast these demons out. And there's people that own this girl that are making money off her, and when she's no longer able to deliver them money, they get upset, and they put Paul and Silas in jail. And so Paul and Silas are in jail, and they're bound, and they're in the dungeon, and in the middle of the night, they're, they're singing hymns, they're singing songs, they're praising God, and the chains fall off, and the jailer comes in and sees the doors open, and he figures everybody's gone, and he's going to kill himself, and Paul and Silas call out and say, hey, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And the jailer has the famous scripture. He says, 
what must I do (laughs) to be saved? And so this jeller and his entire household are converted and baptized and become believers. So, So Philippi is this significant city. It's this significant church. In this church, most likely, Lydia is present. In this church, most likely, this young girl who's been delivered from demons is sitting and listening to this letter from Paul. In this church that this letter has been delivered to, there is a jailer and his family that are alive and believers, all because of the witness of Paul and Silas. In this church where this letter is first read, there are slaves and most likely slave owners. There's military families. Most have been raised pagan. These are first generation Christians. Curious, how many first generation Christians do we have in here? Raise your hand if you're first generation. Dr. Purdue is, I know. Anybody else first generation? So, so imagine, they're just learning. Not, not only is there, are they a first generation church, but all believers are first generation Christians and followers of Jesus. And they're trying to sort out what it means to follow this Jewish carpenter, Jesus. There, there, there's some converted Jews. In this mix, there's some that are illiterate and there's some that are highly educated. And and they've all gathered. (laughs) Makes me wonder why we gather. They're all gathered with this single-minded focus of what does it mean to be Christian? What, What does it mean to be yanked from a life of a pagan family, to be yanked from my Jewish roots, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And they're gathered on a special occasion. They've received a letter. They've not received the Bible. They don't call it the Bible yet. They They don't call it the New Testament yet. But they've received a letter from their friend Paul. The, the, the one who began this church. And they've received this letter. And, 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 and this letter is instruction on what it means to be Christian. What it means to follow Jesus. And this morning I want to read part of that. Now don't panic. I'm not going to read the whole letter, okay? I'm just going to read one chapter from Philippians. And I want you to kind of sit And think about what Paul's saying in the context that it's written. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And it's a passage I've used often. It's probably, like I say in most Sunday, my favorite passage in the Bible. Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any fellowship of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion... Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, 
maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation." among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. So in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even as I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Do you see the affection in the passage? Paul's not writing the Bible here, although I believe God's writing the Bible through Paul. But Paul's writing a letter to people who are dearly beloved, uh, that are struggling with this ideal of what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian? I sometimes wonder if we stop thinking about that. (laughs) And we just begin to get into the habit of life and the habit of routine and the way we do things, and we stop thinking about this central ideal of what does it mean to follow Jesus. And and I think in the center of this passage, we have this, this phrase that, to me, this phrase... It's like, be holy like I am holy. It's one of those kind of phrases that we read it, but if we really read it, it almost should knock us face down on the ground. Now, when Jesus says, you should be holy as your heavenly Father is holy, it should cause us to quake a little bit in our boots. Right? And in the center of this passage, Paul says, have this attitude in yourself which was also in Christ Jesus. 
Other translations say, have the mind of Jesus or have the mind of Christ. Other translations say simply, think like Jesus. (laughs) What does it mean to be a Christian? Well, what, what does it mean for these believers in Philippi in the first century? What does it mean in Marysville in the 21st century to be a follower of Jesus Christ? It means we think like Jesus. We have the same attitude that Jesus had. It's a total change in the way that we think and live. It's not simply a new religion. It's not simply churchianity. But it's a transformation, a change of mind from the inside out. It's a change in perspective. It's not just about um, rituals and religion and going through the motions, but it's God changing us from the inside out. I'd put it like this. To be a follower of Jesus, as as Paul defines followers of Jesus, as Jesus calls us to follow Him, it's to immerse yourself so much in Jesus that you begin to think like Him. (laughs) And you begin to see others and circumstances like He did. You say, well, Pastor, how do you do that? I don't think we do that without the Holy Spirit. What about you? (laughs) That this immersing in Jesus, this immersing in a relationship is not just learning about Jesus, but it's somehow allowing the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to invade our lives so that when we read the Scripture, we're not just seeing Jesus, but we're experiencing Jesus. Amen? That's what it means to be Christian. It's not about all the things we make it. It's about being like Jesus. This past summer, we've, we've went through a lot. We, we went through all in, and uh, Mara's going to give us an update at the end of service on, on all in. And we went through Immerse, and so this is kind of an overview of Immerse in a lot of ways. Uh, we, we've got an ebook for Immerse that's available online, and there'll be a few print copies if anybody would want one. The sermons are online. I believe both of these series are highly significant to our church. I do. I believe they're life and death. I believe they're their future. That as we begin to go all in, as we begin to immerse ourselves in Jesus, I believe God wants to do something new and fresh in our church. And I think we all believe or understand, maybe you don't, but I believe, and I believe our leadership does, that we need a fresh touch from God. And so we invited you in the Immerse to, to, make, to commit to, to five things. I will be immersed in prayer. Uh, that's the beginning. I will be immersed in Jesus. I will be immersed in others with others. And as I thought about this, I will be immersed in others with others. I, th- I thought about our serve day. I don't think Clinton Emily's in this service, but our serve day 
which is on September 29th, is a great way to immerse yourself in others, with others. It's not just us. It's, it's going to be several from our congregation, but it's other Christians in our community, and we're going to serve on a Saturday morning together. And, and it's too late. Well, there may be a few T-shirts. It's probably too late to get a T-shirt, but you don't do things just for a T-shirt, right? It's not too late to sign up. We can use you. And I believe Emily said there's close to 50 that are signed up already. They're going to be doing projects. We're going to gather here at 9.15 on Saturday morning on the 29th, and we're going to sing a few songs, and then a pastor from Living Hope is going to lead us in a devotional, and then we're going to go out and serve. And so it's not too late to immerse yourself in others with others. And then finally, I'll be immersed in God's agenda. Agenda. Now, I believe the center of being Christian, and I believe the center of immerse is Jesus. I believe if we truly immersed ourselves, when I immerse myself in Jesus, when Jesus becomes the focus of my life, then prayer becomes natural. Right? Because Jesus prayed, and I realized that to have this spiritual connection with this spiritual God and this Holy Spirit, I can't do it without prayer. And so prayer becomes central. And, and prayer becomes more than just 15 minutes in the morning. That's good. That's fine. But prayer becomes almost this ongoing battle of my life to connect with God. At some point pretty soon, I'm going, to do, I'm going to do a series on prayer because I, I, th- I think sometimes in our prayer lives, we, we work completely counterintuitive to our personality. That, that's, that, that some of us are these people that will focus and we can bow our heads and we can pray and we can engage God. And some of us, when we bow our heads and we close our eyes and we engage God, we end up engaging sleep. See, I don't believe prayer is a space in your day. I believe prayer is an attitude in your heart. That space is important to create that habit, to create that connection. But but I got to tell you, I need God more than 15 minutes in the morning. And when we immerse ourselves in Jesus, we, we begin to understand that just like Jesus said, I and the Father am one. <laughs> we need this intimate connection with the Father on an ongoing basis. I think if we have immersed ourselves in Jesus, others become important. This is really a kickoff on our next series, which will begin October 14th. Uh, the next series is in the flesh, and we're going to look at how Jesus responded to people how Jesus served others, how Jesus saw others. You know, Jesus, Jesus went to the marginalized and the forgotten. He, he went to places no one else would go. And oftentimes that's kind of difficult for us to do, isn't it? Jesus empowered others, and he served with others. Jesus, if there's any person on earth that could have said, hey, I can do this on my own, it was probably Jesus, right? But Jesus gathered these 12 around him, and beyond these 12, he, he, he gathered more than that around him because he sent out 70 in pairs. 
and there was, I believe, 120 in the upper room. So he had a big inner circle of people that he empowered and trusted. And I believe in a lot of ways, Jesus models that, re- that, that serving God and loving God and, and true love comes in the midst of relationship. And it's this model of the Trinity, the continuation of the Trinity. I don't think there's any doubt that if Jesus becomes, if we become immersed in Jesus, God's agenda becomes primary. The Gethsemane experience, and, and, I, and I believe Gethsemane was a, a snapshot of a prayer that Jesus made often. You know, it's crucial that we consider what happened because the truth is, most of us, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Most of us, probably none of us, will be crucified. In current, the current state, it's not very likely any of us will even be martyred for our faith. And so it's not about dying, but it's a way of life. And, it's, and this way of life is expressed in Gethsemane. And this way of life is not my will, but your will. Can you say that? See, Jesus is saying, it's not about my agenda, God. It's about your agenda. That's what matters. And to have the mind of Christ... To have the mind of Christ, we live where God's agenda is first and foremost. See, all these things are, are the center of being Christian, of being followers of Jesus. And that's, that's why our vision statement, it's ordinary people following Jesus. Because most we're all just ordinary people. And he's invited us to follow him and to have the mind of Jesus Christ. And, and all things flow, not from... Going through the motions or not through ritual, but all things flow from being immersed in Jesus and allowing Him to be the center of our lives. There's, there's a great book that was written many years ago by Charles Sheldon and his steps. Who's read In His Steps? I'm sure most of us you have read it at some point. Great, great book. And, you know, I, I thought maybe I'd read that here again pretty quickly. But in the book, Sheldon says, The greatest question in all of human life is summed up when we ask, what would Jesus do? (laughs) If as we ask it, we also try to answer it from a growth and knowledge of Jesus himself, we must know Jesus before we can imitate him. (laughs) What would Jesus do? How do we determine that? Well, I believe we prayerfully study God's word. We talk with each other. We serve with each other. And we allow the Spirit to be the center of what we're doing. This morning, the invitation is simple. Join me. In the pews in front of you are cards. And I'd invite you, if you'd like to be part of the conversation of of what this means. Because I, I truly believe that immerse may not be for everybody. It may not be what you want to do. You, you, you may not feel comfortable with it. You may not feel like it, it's where you're at and, or you're just not interested. And, and I'm not suggesting that everybody will be interested, but I want to know who is. 
I mean, you're really intrigued with the ideal of immersing yourself in prayer, immersing yourself in Jesus, immersing yourself in others, with others, and just finding God's agenda. I believe God's going to do some dynamic things through our congregation, through people who are willing or interested in making those commitments. And so the invitation today is to a conversation. <laughs> that, that if you'd be, like to be part of this, that you, you'd like to learn more, that you'd like to be involved in finding out where God's leading us, would you just mark your card? I want to be part of the conversation. Now, of course, we, we don't pass the plates right now, and you know, maybe we won't again, I don't know. Uh, but we have the offering, um, the, the secured offering boxes in the back, and, and you can drop your cards in there. You can drop your offerings back there. The, the wooden box, I'm taking care of this, Maura, sorry. The, the wooden box is, is gone. It had fallen over a couple times, and so I think we're going to use that. I talked to, to Charles today. I think we're going to use that for some voting, maybe take the legs off. And, and so you got the metal boxes there. And, uh, you know, invite you to drop your offerings and your, your cards in there as you leave. Uh, if you're interested in giving online, see Ryan or see Harold. We can show you uh, what, what it means or how you can do that on a, on a regular basis. Uh, but, but I'd like you to let me know if you'd like to be part of the conversation. We are going to give you an all-in update. I'll give you an update on my run. That's right. I meddled. Yeah. I would say this, of the 13,000 plus people that finished the race, only 13,000 plus got a medal just like this. <laughs> then Pastor Bob will close us in prayer after Mara. Well, good morning. I'm excited to be up here again. Uh, this means another month has gone by. Believe it or not, we're about three months in now to our all-in campaign. And um, for any other math teachers out there, it's a 36-month campaign. So that puts us about one-twelfth of the way through. Um, Sarah can check my math on that, right? Good, okay. Well, one of the biggest updates uh, for this month is that our t-shirts are in. Some of you pre-ordered them, so I have those set back for you. If you didn't get a chance to pre-order or you were waiting to see how does it fit, how does it look, I will be set up in the FLC during the pancake breakfast where you can come and take a look and you can purchase them there. Um, it's $12 a piece. There, we've got some dry fit styles, which is what Ryan's wearing today, and then just some regular soft. And I will say they are, they're really comfortable. And these are great. If you missed the uh, deadline to sign up for serve day to get the t-shirt, this would probably be an acceptable alternative that you could wear next Saturday if you want to come out and join us. Uh, yesterday, we were in the car, and we were listening to one of the kids' CDs, and this is about one of the only CDs that if they ask for, I always say yes, because this one is Bible verses all set to music. So my kids have learned so many Bible verses because they're set to, to music. And the one we were listening to yesterday is, was out of Colossians 3, and I want to read you just a couple of verses. It says, since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So we're listening to this song over and over, and all of a sudden Emerson pipes up from the back seat, as only Emerson does, and says, you know, I think I know why we're supposed to focus on heaven and not on earth. Because, because we're not going to be here forever, but heaven is forever. 
and that just stuck with me. Like my six-year-old understands this concept that the things that we're doing now are, are mattering for eternity. The things that we are investing our lives in have eternal significance. They have eternal consequences. So I want to just invite you to kind of think about that. Setting your heart. Our, where our heart is, that's where our treasure is. So are we setting our heart on the things above? Setting our minds, setting our schedules, our routines, setting our calendars to align with things that have eternal significance. Um, we all have been invited. It says, since you've been raised with Christ. So that, that's all of us. And our response is to be all in, to set ourselves, to align ourselves with the things that are above. Because this earth isn't, it isn't forever. So if you're ready to get involved, a couple of places you can serve right now. Um, serve Day is coming up in just about two weeks. I also know I was speaking with Pastor Kim this morning, and she is praying and praying and praying for some new faces to um, be willing to volunteer in our children's department. A lot of our church is not sitting in this room this morning. The future of our church is upstairs, and they are worshiping, and they are learning about Jesus and about what it means to serve him. And I know that Anybody in here has the capacity to be an answer to Pastor Kim's prayers. She is praying for volunteers, and you could be the answer to that prayer. You've already attended first service. The beauty about having two services is that this would free you up then to serve in our second service. So you get to come here, experience a worship service, and if everyone in here suddenly showed up upstairs, I, I can only imagine what that children's lesson would look like for second service. Um, but she also needs some help with check-in, with teaching preschool. You guys, I've got preschoolers, and you know they are—they are a special age. But man, they—they they want to see, they want to feel loved, and they really—they want to see what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I just—I know that there are people in here that could really—that you could really serve and be a blessing there. Um, you're already involved. You're already serving. You are ready maybe to invest. You're ready to take that next step. In your bulletin this morning, there are commitment cards. If you have not had a chance to um, prayerfully make a commitment to how maybe God is calling you to go all in, that is available for you this morning. And those can be dropped in either of the secure boxes or handed to Ryan or myself. We are at currently about um, $80,000 of our $120,000 goal committed, which is great. We're only a few months in. Um, as that money is coming in, we're able to tackle more and more projects. I know right now we're working on getting some of our HVAC systems um, repaired and making some um, updates there. So um, there's nine more hearts on the back wall. Every investment, every dollar that is that is contributed to this campaign, it, it's not about fixing up our building. It's not about making things prettier. It's about setting our hearts, setting our minds on the things above. It's about 18 people who have come to Christ or recommitted themselves because of your willingness and your, your service. And can I be a proud aunt for a minute and tell you that one of those hearts is my nephew. So when we are all in for our families and we are showing this and starting this at home, it, it's making a difference. So I'm going all in. If you've heard that song, it says I'm going all in. It's not I went all in. It's not I will go. I am going. And my English teachers can tell, me, tell you that that means that this is happening right now, every day, every decision. Is it, is it having eternal significance? Is it setting your heart on the things above? So please continue to join us in prayer, and I will see you next month.